It's good to be back with uh, all of you again today. Good to see some some new, again, new faces and some old faces again. Uh, not your old, but uh, uh, the faces we hadn't seen in a while. Uh, I'm glad to see all of you uh, again for sure. Um, uh, just a, a kind of an update on me. There has been a delay in my transplant uh, for just a number of reasons. So uh, I know some of you knew that just from our social media posts, but some of you didn't know that. So I just wanted you to be aware of that for sure. And um, uh, so just pray along with us in that, if you don't mind, uh, to just pray that uh, we, we, we trust God in this. I've been mad for three days, uh, but that's okay. I've been, tried to be mad and not sin, uh, but I probably have along the way as well. But I'm thankful for a God who redeems us and forgives us of our sins, even when we do it in times like those. So uh, so pray for that. Uh, pray for Jeff as well, as he is, you know, obviously he is delayed in this too, and throws a wrench in his plans as well. So uh, but we know that delay is not denial, right? It's not, delay is not always denial. And so we just believe and trust God in all of this. He has had us the whole way through, and he is not uh, uh, changing any of those kind of things right now. So we, we trust him in that, the sovereignty of God in all things for sure. We preach that here. I say that regularly to uh, people that I encounter. I'm just having to preach it to myself right now. And that's a harder thing for me to believe than it is for me to tell you that. So uh, just uh, we'll, we'll continue to trust God in that. Uh, so last week, uh, I had prepared a message and, and didn't get all the way through it. So you get the second half of the message uh, today. because And honestly, I'm not sure if I'll get all the way through it today. So you might get the third part of it next week. We'll see how this goes. Or it could be one of those all-day camp meetings. Hope you brought a lunch. Um, uh, it is imperative in these times that we live in that we do a few things. And I said this last week, one, that we keep connected with one another. It's so important that you, uh, as followers of Jesus and those who are part of the household of faith, stay connected with one another. In this world where, in this coronavirus world that we live in, it's very easy to be isolated. It's very easy, easy to be by ourselves. And honestly, we can get used to that, right? We can get used to being by ourselves and just not going places and, and, you know, not even getting dressed and just wearing our PJs all day long, which is not a terrible thing. Um, uh, but, but we need to stay connected with one another. You need to stay connected with one another. And so if you're someone who's living in isolation, I'm specifically talking to you. Uh, stay connected. Find ways to, to connect with people that are part of the faith, who are part of your church family, who are part of your circle of friends. Uh, stay connected with God. It's important that you come to a church gathering. And so at Refuge People, listen, if you're watching online, continue to watch online. Or if you're here, obviously we want you to continue to come. Or maybe you're part of another church. I know, again, there's some guests here for us for some specific reasons today. And so we would encourage you to continue to stay connected uh, with God through your church family for sure. Uh, God ordained it this way. We don't know why he did it. We're, I have people all the time go, uh, hey, why, do we even have to go to church? And, and studies have shown us that after this coronavirus thing, there's probably 20 to 25% of the people that just won't go back to church. And it's a sad thing to hear, to hear that and to, and to know that statistic is probably true. But the reality is God has ordained the church and the gathering of his people to do something special that he doesn't do in other places. He tells us not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together. And so I just want to encourage you to continue to do this. I'm glad you're here today, but I want you to continue to do that in the future. If you're watching online, I want you to make sure that you continue to do that in the future. Maybe you're waiting for coronavirus to kind of wrap up. And I understand that. 
And so for many of people that health issues and things like that, we understand, but we want you to stay connected to a church family as well. So keep connected, keep caring for one another. We want you to make sure that you reach out and know one another. There are needs all around this community, needs all around even in our church family that need to be met by you. You have a specific way that you can meet people's needs, a specific way that you can speak into someone's life, a specific way that you can encourage someone that maybe no one else can. It's not just the preacher's job, okay? Who's the church? If you're part of the church, raise your hand. Yeah, you're the church. We are all the church. I'm not the church. I just pastor this church. And so uh, we, you are the church. And so we encourage you to be part of the work of the ministry, to stay connected, to keep caring for one another. And then uh, I said last week to keep uh, doing funny content, but I'm not doing that this week because I'm not trying to be funny, uh, although I will be at some point. Uh, uh, keep communicating the good news of the gospel. It's imperative that you as people, that as followers of Jesus, that you keep telling people about the good news, that Jesus is the one who rescues sinners. He has also employed each of us to be that messenger of the gospel, that you're going to reach people that I'll never reach. You'll reach people that people on the other side of this room will never reach because you have circles of friends that only you have built relationships with and, and you have invested time with. And so it's up to you to share the gospel with your circle of friends. And so keep communicating the good news with each other and your friends. We need to be reminded that, that Jesus is the one who rescues sinners. Jesus is our only hope. And even when we face disappointments, like I'm facing even today uh, with this delay in my transplant. Uh, somebody, and I appreciate you guys who keep communicating the good news to me. I'd say it's real easy for me to preach the gospel to other people and tell everybody why that God's got this and all that kind of stuff. It's been hard for me to believe it for three days. And so I need you to keep telling me that as well, okay? That fair enough? All right, good, awesome. So again, uh, we talked about this last week, that the normal diet of preaching at Refuge is expository preaching, verse by verse, preaching through a text. So, and so we spent a two and a half years in Romans. Uh, we're in Genesis, and we're about halfway through Genesis, preaching through uh, that Old Testament text. But now and again, in a particular season, uh, we step out of our verse by verse preaching, and uh, we do more topical things that are relevant to you and me. And, uh, and, and so uh, uh, today is one of those days that I will uh, do that again and and so today, I just want to talk about the renewal of things that are going on. There is a, there is a renew, I believe there is a renewal that is happening at Refuge. Uh, there is a, uh, thank you, appreciate that, me and technical issues. There we go. Nope, nope. There we go. Nope. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Kids, come up here and run this for me. Uh, we believe there's a renewal of things that are going on. Uh, that God is actually in the business. We called it a renewalation last week uh, because there's something happening that God is doing. We see it happening in pockets of people, and we want to see it spread to this entire church family where God is renewing us and building something new into what's happening at Refuge. We get the opportunity to almost replant this church in light of coronavirus because we get to, we get to kind of start over anew. And we get, there's some people we know that are not coming back. There's some people that have chosen to go to other places, and we're for them because they're finding a place that they can plug in and be part of a church family. But God is also in the works of doing something really cool here at Refuge, and we want you to be a part of it. We don't want you to just come and sit and listen to me talk for an hour. We want you to come and be part of what God is actually doing here at Refuge. And so 
Uh, we talked about this last week, that renewal is an instance of resuming an activity or state after an interruption, and that's what we see happening, an interruption uh, in kind of our daily lives with this coronavirus thing. And, and so we believe that God is taking this time, this pause even, to start something again or to restart something again. And so we believe that the Lord is in this. We in- invite you to join in this uh, with this and so, with us as well. And so in light of all that, I've just got a few things that I want to talk about uh, 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 today out of some different texts. Last week, I talked out of Philippians uh, chapter 4 and out of Romans chapter 12. Uh, and uh, Paul urges, urged us in all of this to do this right here, to live in harmony with one another. Man, it's hard sometimes to live with people in this church, isn't it? It's okay to say yes. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. It's hard to live with people in this church because we all have our own personalities, our own things that we want to do, our own things that we want to accomplish, and we get our feelings heard, and, and we get misunderstood by a lot of things that happens, and so it's hard to live with one another, but that's just what, a regular, that's what it is in a regular family. We talk about being a good, healthy family here, and sometimes good, healthy families have conflict, and that's okay. We just want to try to the best that we can to live in harmony with one another. And why do we do it? We do it for the sake of the gospel. We say that, that God brings people together that are from very different backgrounds, that may not know each other, that may have very socioeconomic backgrounds, and he merges them together and he squishes them together, and somehow they make it work. How do they make it work? Because it's the Spirit of God that lives within us that causes us to be able to do this. Because I may not like some of you, and some of you may not like me on a regular basis, but the Spirit of God that lives in me and the Spirit of God that lives in you communicates with one another and goes, hey, that's my brother. That's my sister. Hey, we may not get along about this. We may disagree about this particular thing, but we get along because the Spirit of God lives within us. And so we live in harmony with one another for the sake of the gospel, for us to have a witness to the world out there that goes, things are different and we're different. And yes, we encounter all the things that everybody else does, but we just do them differently. We live differently. We talk about that regularly, to live differently uh, because of the sake of the gospel, to live at peace with others. We live with a forgiving heart. We live with a quiet tongue. We talked about that, that last week, where we don't use our tongue as a weapon. We use our tongue to speak peace. We use our tongue to speak healing. We use our tongue to speak grace. And, so, uh, and we use our tongue to spur one another on uh, in this walk with Jesus. So again, last week, uh, we were in Romans 12. Uh, and then we, uh, Romans is one of those things. Adrian Rogers said, Romans, if he had one book of the Bible that he could preach out of and just have for the rest of his life, if the only one he could have, it would have been Romans. And I don't disagree with that at all. It is chocked full of information. But it's not just Paul who writes about this harmony of living in harmony with one another. We see that all through the New Testament. The gospel really is about living in harmony with one another. The gospel is, if you think about what happened, if you think about the Bible narrative in itself, that whenever the gospel was spread out all through the biblical world during that time, there were people that were at odds with one another. There were people who were fighting with one another. There were people who were fighting to take over land from one another. And yet the gospel would come in and peace would come. That Jews and Gentiles alike were living together in harmony because of the good news of the gospel. And so it wasn't just Paul that wrote about that in Romans. Uh, We see some other New Testament writers that actually did the same thing. John talks about it. Timothy talks about it. And even uh, outside of the church at Rome, the church at Colossae, Paul writes about it. And so I believe that in God's sovereignty, he has brought each of you here today to hear what I have to say today. Now, what I have to say is what the Spirit of God has laid on my heart for uh, each of us 
to hear from him today. So if you want to open your Bibles, you can turn with me. I'll have the text on the screen, but you can follow along in 1 John uh, chapter 1. That's where I'm going to pick up. Different places, New Testament writers talking about this very thing, the ways that I want to encourage you today. Here's where John picks up in this uh, letter that he wrote. He said, this is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and him in, and in him is no darkness at all. All light, no darkness. All light, no darkness at all. That's what he says about Jesus, that there is no darkness in anything about him, that he is full of light. And verse 6 says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we what? We lie and do not practice the what? Truth. Let's stop right there for just a second and see what John is saying. He said, if we have fellowship with God, vertical fellowship with God, okay, where we say that I'm in fellowship with God and I'm redeemed, I'm a Christian, that's how we would say that today, I'm a Christian, and he says, if we say we have fellowship with him, so we are communing with the living God while we walk in darkness, Okay, while we walk in the shadows, while we walk in places where we don't pe want people to see what we're doing, while we walk in places where we don't want our parents to know what we're doing, where we don't want to know our, our coworkers or our friends or our family or anybody else, while we walk in darkness, we sure don't want the preacher to know, we what? We lie. Some of you are lying today. Some of you walked in here and you think you're fooling people around you and, and you think that you are living in a life that you're just fooling everybody around you, you're, 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 you lie because you're walking in darkness. Scripture says you don't practice the truth. You don't practice the truth. You may think you're fooling people, but you lie and you walk in darkness. I'm speaking to you today. God specifically gave me this text for you. And it's good news to expose things like this. That's what God does to us. He exposes our sin, and then we have to deal with it, right? We have to deal with it. We have to go, what am I going to do now that I've been exposed? What am I going to do now that the preacher has even spoke about this in the sermon while I'm sitting here today? What am I going to do about it today? You're going to have to do something with it today. You're either going to have to reject the truth, or you're going to have to continue to try to live in darkness. That's, that's your choices. But you have a choice today. He says, if we say we fellowship with him, we say we fellowship with Jesus, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He goes on in verse 7. But, okay, here's the option. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from what? All sin. How much sin? All sin. How much is all? Everything, yeah, everything. I mean, it's everything that you can think of. The scripture says the good news is that if we walk in the light, you don't have to continue to live in the darkness. Bring it out in the light as he is the light. We have fellowship with one another, which is what we've been talking about. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. That's why we preach the gospel every week because we need to hear this good news that there's hope for you. Even those of you who are hiding, those of you who are living in darkness, those of you who are trying to fool everybody else, that there is hope for for you whenever you trust Jesus because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's the good news. We're going to celebrate that very fact today. We're doing baptisms today that the blood of Jesus has cleansed these three people that are going to be baptized from all their sins. 
That's good news. It's Halloween time, and and I'm so glad you walked in here today. Uh, It's Halloween time, and last Halloween, I walked into a Halloween party after a long night of calling a football game, and I'm exhausted, and I just want to go have a fun at a Valentine's party, and I walk in, and Sandra Barkley grabs me as soon as I walk in the door, and she's like, come in here. I'm like, oh, who's arguing again? And... (laughs) And, and that is the night that David Barclay was sitting at a table just weeping because the Holy Spirit had convicted of him sin. He had revealed himself to him, and he had, made, he had made him believe that there was a God, and he was real, and he loved him, and he gave himself for him. And David Barclay became a Christian last Halloween. How awesome is that? And we baptized him on the same weekend last year. And, and so I'm so glad to see your face here today, uh, just reminding me of that goodness of the God. And we, we're doing those same things today. David Barclay's rescue is no more magnificent than these other people. We're all dead in our trespasses and sins, and we all need Jesus. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel, and he will rescue people like me and David and the people that are being baptized today and you as well. And, and how does that happen? Well, John goes on to tell that here. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you say, I don't have any sin, then you're just fooling yourself, and the truth is not in us. And so then he gives you the remedy to that. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? How much unrighteousness? All of it, everything, every, every bit of it is all cleansed uh, whenever we confess our sins and put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus. Then John goes on to say, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And, and, and then if you go into 1 John chapter 2, you can turn over there with me. Uh, there are three verses that I think are imperative. They're underlined in my Bible that, uh, that I think are important for us as Christians. So for those of you who are outside the household of faith, then we want you to come to Jesus today. That would be, we'd celebrate that. We'd baptize you today in your clothes uh, today if, if you come to Jesus today. We'll, we'll find something we'll put. I'll let you have my extra clothes and you can wear, wear them home if that's what happens to you today. And so that, that's, that's our hope. But then John goes on to write this. He says this, uh, for those of you who are Christians, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, this is for you. You claim to be a Christian. He says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. Look then, okay, that's his statement. And then he kind of clarifies it. It says this, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he goes on to say this, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the, de- the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but of the world. It's all the things we chase after. And he wrote about it here, the desires of the flesh, the things that our flesh want to go after, right? The desires of the eyes, the things that we see and we go, man, that's pretty. Uh, I'll just chase that shiny rock, you know, uh, or whatever it is that's drawing you to it, and, and I'll find that, and I'll chase after that thing, or the pride of life, that we're just a prideful people. We're too prideful to go that we need somebody else. That's some of you. You're too prideful to say that I need somebody else to rescue me. You think you can do it on your own, and I'm telling you that you cannot, that you will die in your sins and will bust hell wide open if you think you can do it on your own. You cannot. You desperately need Jesus just like I do, just like everybody else does here. He says all these things is not from the Father. These are not from God, but they are from the world. And then verse 17 says this, and the world is passing away. 
the things that we're depending on, the things that we're putting our trust in, that world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God will abide forever. Scripture says that God, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God does not want you to perish. God does not want you to go to hell. God does not want you to die in your sins. He's not willing that any of you should perish, but that all should come uh, to salvation. See, salvation is paramount. I mean, these are the most important things. It is the most important thing that you can possibly do in your life. It, it, salvation is permanent. We believe that once Jesus has saved you, once he has rescued you from your sin, that no one will snatch you out of his hand. Jesus said that himself. He says, no, I know my sheep, my sheep know my voice, and nobody snatches them out of my hands. So once you come to Jesus, that can't be reversed. They can't snatch you out of his hand. You can't lose your salvation once you come to Jesus. So it's paramount. It's so important. It is permanent. And it is present. It is here for you today. Salvation is here. It is near some of you today. And you know it, and you're dealing with it now. It's our hope that you'll come to Jesus today. That's what John had to say about some of these things. Turn your Bibles on to 2 Timothy, if you will. What happens when God is doing some things? One, he saves people. Spirit of God moves and people come to know Jesus and people move from death to life and people go, I want to follow Jesus and I want to be part of something exciting going on. I want to be part of what God is actually doing in a place. That's what I want to happen here at Refuge. That's what I want for each of us. Second Timothy says uh, this, this very same thing. Last week, if you'll remember, uh, we talked about putting your name at the beginning of each sentence as, as we did this. Some of you weren't here. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. So the beginning of each of these verses, put your name at the beginning of these verses, speaking specifically to you and to me. So it'd be like, Scott, do what? Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. As renewal is happening in our hearts here at Refuge, in our church, and in your hearts here at Refuge, these are some things that the Spirit calls us to do, to flee youthful passions, to put away those childish things and pursue righteousness. And then he talks about what those things are, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. He's like, Know some people around you that are followers of Jesus and walk alongside them. Walk through this life together. Find people that are pursuing Jesus and get, in along, uh, get along with those people as well and pursue Jesus just like they do. Put your name at the beginning of verse 23. Scott, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Man, if you put your name there, don't talk about stuff that just... What would be that thing? We're not even going to talk about what it is. Happens in two days. We're not even going to talk about that. I mean, it just is what it is, right? It just is what it is. There's no need to argue over whether or not you think some, somebody should be elected, whether it's, it's uh, Donald Trump or Joe Biden. It doesn't matter about who you think should be elected. Yes, it matters who's president, but God is the one who raises up kings. God is the one who puts down kings. Whether you like it, whether you don't, whoever's going to be president, God has ordained for them to be president. We believe in the sovereignty of God in all things. That means who's president next, okay? I'm not scared. You scared? No, don't be scared. We ain't scared up here. We ain't scared up in here. Uh, because we believe in the sovereignty of God, and he is the one who raises up kings, and he is the one who puts down kings. So we trust the sovereignty of God in all things. God will still be God on uh, November 4th. Amen? He will be. I I'm telling you, he will be. And so 
have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. We've seen that over and over again. Then put your name at the beginning of this. Scott, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. The Lord's servant must be quarrelsome. We're really talking to Bible teachers here, mostly in this particular text, saying don't be argumentative. I mean, it's not up to me to argue somebody in the kingdom of God. It's up to me to persuade you and to, and to encourage you and tell you what the beauties it means to follow Jesus and to trust the Spirit in those kind of things. Same thing for you. Why argue with your family members over this? Love them. Care for them. Encourage them. Pray for them. Pray that the Spirit of God will awaken their hearts to the gospel. Again, continue to talk with them about them. But uh, don't be quarrelsome. Don't be quarrelsome over these things. He goes on uh, to say this in verse 25. Uh, he says, correct his opponents with gentleness. Why should we correct our opponents with gentleness? Because God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Why do I want to be a jerk to somebody? Why do I want to be uh, argumentative to somebody, then then God grant repentance to somebody, and then I got to go back and create the, fix the mess that I've created? That's foolishness, right? If salvation is of the Lord, and we believe it is, if repentance is of the Lord, and we believe it is, then why am I going to be argumentative and hard-headed with people? I'd rather whenever God saves somebody out of the blue, like we've seen him do, that whenever that happens, that there's no barriers to have to go back and fix. Amen? Man, what a beautiful picture when that happens. And then verse 26 says, and they come to their senses. Look, this is what happens when somebody becomes a Christian. They come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. You see what, see what he was writing? He said, they've been captured. So they've been captured. They've been held in prison by the enemy. And now they've come to their senses. They've been awakened to the gospel and they have been, oh my goodness, I could have easily gotten out of this. And so I'm, now I'm going to escape this. I'm going to Heisman the devil and escape him after being captured by his will. See that? Can you? That? <laughs> pow. Uh, he's going to escape him because, he's try, because he, it's like the devil's trying to tackle him. You see what I'm saying? And he escapes him because he's come to his senses and seen the beauty of the gospel. That's going to happen to some of you. Some of you are still ensnared by him. He can't get out of the tackle. You can't gain by like two yards because you ain't got the Heisman move, the Heisman, the gospel Heisman. And so uh, one of these days, you're going to be awakened to it and learn that move and you go, Jesus, wow, pow, and you're just loose. <laughs> Welcome to my world up here. <laughs> None of that's in my notes. All right. So that's what we're seeing the fruit of today in baptisms. Someone who's given the Heisman move to the devil and escape the snare. That can happen for some of you today. See, our kindness can actually lead to others' repentance. That's what the Bible says. That if we're kind sometimes, it leads to others' repentance. It, you're like, well, how does that even happen? I, I, I don't know how to share the gospel. That, I'm not even telling you to share the gospel. I'm just telling you to be kind. Start with being kind. That that. Um, knocks down a whole bunch of barriers to people coming to know Jesus. That's what, um, that's what Timothy had to say. And then turn over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, Paul talks about this again. 
Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church at Colossae. And he's uh, telling them some of these same kinds of things. And he's encouraging his people along the way. He's, he's telling his people that this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like every day whenever I walk out of being us together, that this is what my life should look like. And so look in chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, this is what uh, Paul writes. He says, Christians, put on then as God's chosen one. So think about putting on. Like it's starting to get a little bit cold, and you'll put on a big jacket, right? It'll keep you warm. It'll protect you. And it'll sometimes have a logo and it tells who you're for. And so some things that we put on, my shirt says that I like this kind of shirt that I wore today. Y'all like it? Yeah. And, and so I put this on because I needed to put something on. And, and Paul writes in that same kind of language. He's like, put on your shirt that says, uh, I'm God's chosen one. Chosen one, holy and beloved. And then it says this, compassionate hearts. Some of y'all don't have compassionate hearts. Some of you claim to be Christians don't have compassionate hearts. I see you. I see what you write on social media. I'm around you some. You don't have compassionate hearts. We have to have compassionate hearts. We have to have hearts for people, hearts for people that just give ourselves away, that are willing to just lay our lives down for the sake of other people knowing Jesus. What else do you have to live for? This is eternal. This is why we exist we exist so that people, to serve Jesus, to make much of Jesus, and so that other people will come to know Jesus. That's all that matters. Everything else burns up. Your house burns up. Your clothes burn up. Everything else you own burns up. Nothing matters except this. It's true. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't have a nice house. Don't drive a nice truck. I'm about to get a nice truck. All, all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying don't have them. It just can't be the utmost importance. It cannot be the most, uh, most important. So where we spend all of our time Put on as God's chosen one, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Man, what beautiful things for us Christians to live. And then verse 13, he says, refuge, bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, which would never happen here, uh, <laughs> refuge, forgive each other. Refuge, listen. Forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. That's what he said to the church. Just how much have I been forgiven? Yeah, everything. How much have you been forgiven? How much has God forgiven you? How much dumb stuff have you done? How much sin have you sinned against God? A lot. So have I. That's the beauty of the gospel. Because God forgives me of all my sin. When I trusted Jesus, when I trust in Jesus, my great deliverer, my strong defender, he forgives me of all those things. And, and the Bible says that just as the Lord has forgiven me of everything, so you must forgive. And he says this in 14, followers of Jesus, above all these things, so as important as that is, what does he say? Put on what? Come on, that's three of y'all. Y'all need some of this, clearly. Can y'all read? Uh, above all this, put on what? 
four-letter word. Yeah, yeah. Put on this four-letter word called love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony sounds really good. When the band sings, everybody's singing on their notes, and for, you know, our barbershop quartet, you know, for us older people. Uh, uh, when those things sound good, it sounds really good, and you're like, ooh, I could listen to this all day. That's what this looks like. When you put on love, it binds everything together in perfect harmony. And when that happens, that's a beautiful thing. People go, I could be around this all day. I, could be, I, could, I want to be part of something like that where love actually makes that much of a difference. In 15, he says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Then he says this, Mom and Dad, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. He said, hey, open the word. Talk about the word. Use the word. If if you're going to spend your time doing anything, invest it in the word of God. Let it teach you something about what life looks like and how you should live your life. And then lastly, he says, uh, and everybody, whatever you do, in word or do in or word or deed, do what? Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, here's what we know. Some of the things that we've done, we couldn't do in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? Some of the things that we've done in this last week, we couldn't do in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? Some of the things that we said last week, we couldn't say what we said and then say, I mean, in Jesus' name. Right? Scripture says, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, this is our calling, church. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is countercultural, and this demands an answer. If anything needs to happen for us that follows Jesus today, we need to live a life that demands an answer. We need to live a life that goes, Why do you live differently? Why does your life look different? You three people who are being baptized today, going forward, your life should look different. You're about to make a public statement in this water today, and going forward, your life should look different because you're declaring that I follow Jesus. And many of us have declared that we follow Jesus. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to live differently. It's imperative for us to do that. Here's what we know. You cannot connect and critique at the same time. We can't connect in all these places that the Scripture just called us to, to love and to care and encourage and and to be a a light for one another. All those Scriptures that we talked about, we can't do those things and critique people at the same time. We can't say, I love you, brother, and I want to be part of this, and and then jaw jack them later. We just can't. Those two things are incongruent. That means that they're not the same. They can't live in the same world. How can we live in harmony with one another and critique one another at the same time? We cannot. I'm reminded of these things when I hear people lie about other people, when I hear people gossip about other people, when I hear people rip people down. That's not the way we're called to live. See, the... uh, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19, you write, just write that down because I want you to go back and, and, and read that at some point. I don't have it on the screen. But here, here's what the, that text says. It says the Lord hates six things. Okay? 
So in line, one of the, these are New Testament things that we've talked about, that this is what you should put on. And Proverbs talks about that the Lord hates six things. So this would be the antithesis of that, right? The opposite of those kind of things. This is what God wants you to do, what we've talked about. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19, that the Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. Say detestable. Detestable to him. He says this, arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, and a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one who stirs up trouble among brothers. The writer of Proverbs says God hates those things, and it's the very opposite of love to do those things to one another. See, you cannot connect and critique at the same time or be arrogant and connect at the same time or kill and connect at the same time or plot against someone and connect at the same time or do evil towards someone and connect at the same time or lie to someone and connect at the same time or stir up trouble with someone and connect at the same time. You just can't do it. Finally, I'll say this. Um, there are two great commandments that Jesus left us with. He says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's, he said love binds all these things together. So who is your neighbor? Yeah, I'll give you a few examples. It is everybody. Who's your neighbor? Jesus meant your... Democratic neighbor? Your Republican neighbor? Your gay neighbor? Your black neighbor? Your Hispanic neighbor? Your white neighbor? Your Muslim neighbor? Your Asian neighbor, the person you're mad at, your ex, your addict friend, your atheist friend, your waiter, your waitress, your immigrant neighbor. just some of our neighbors. He says for us to love our neighbor, all those people, as ourself. Refuge, let's be those people. Let's be those people that people can't figure out who we are. They can't figure out if we're Republican or Democrat or, or whatever we are. They can't figure out who we are because we just love people. And we love people because we serve someone higher than anything else. We serve a God who has rescued us from our sin. Let this church be known for the love that we have for one another because God himself is love. We love because he first loved us. People know his disciples because of the love that we have for one another. 
And as God is renewing this church family and bringing a fresh wind of hope and gospel fire and love, like I said last week, I pray it begins in each one of you. Each one of us, that gospel fire brings forth fire of love. Refuge, let's be people that are committed. Committed to making disciples. Requires us opening our mouth, telling people the good news. And so like I said last week, let's don't open our mouth for critique or condemnation or crass words, but let's open our mouth with the good news that Jesus rescues sinners. Us doing work in his power for the good of those around us. Isn't that worth giving our lives to? That's what I want to give the rest of mine to. That's what I'll invite this church to give the rest of its life to. Let me pray for us.